Well, hey, everyone, thank you for joining. This is Kirk Williams, Live Inspired Today. Uh, we are excited for episode seven. We are really trying to, to build, you know, awareness, trying to increase your knowledge and, you know, have a little bit of casual conversations and fun as we do it. And we, we always do this with exceptional people um, that joins the main stage. And today is no exception to that. Um, we are really great, grateful that uh, Mr. Danny Eichelberger came on, on the stage and, and he's an incredible um, passion. I'm going to read a little bit just so that you get a frame of reference of what I'm talking about with Danny, if you don't know Danny. And uh, basically, he's an educator. He's been educating uh, and been a champion for student success for the past 25 years here in the Clark County School District in Las Vegas. That's where we are right now. Uh, from being an elementary school teacher to administrator for adult uh, services to, to you know, being a principal for a phenomenal K through 12 school here in town. Um, Danny has done it all. Um, we are so excited to welcome him to the stage. And Danny, thank you so much for being a part of Live Inspire today. Thank you for coming and being a part of this. Awesome, Kirk. I'm excited to be a part of it. I hope that uh, I, have to, I can I can pull some wisdom out and uh, say some inspiring things and uh, learn from some other folks today. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Well, shoot, inspiring. You want to say that? Uh, 25 years as educator. That's uh, that's that's a big deal. That's inspiring. What? How did you? What made you decide that education was that you know uh, in vehicle that you would use? for you know a, a great part of your adult life why, why choose education well you know on the on the simple side you know my, my best friend growing up his dad was merv iverson's got a school named after him on the east side and so being in his home and just watching the environment that was created the lifestyle he was able to live what i consider a really positive lifestyle and um the skills mm -hmm. and things he was learning transferred well into his home so for me, it's just kind of like a basic childhood uh, experience. So when I, you know, I was, you know, in the community I grew up in, there was there was a, a dentist, there was a there was a couple attorneys, and there was a CPA, and then there was this administrator. And I, his lifestyle just seemed really tricky. He got to travel, he got to do a lot, travel outside the country. And I thought I just had a lot of opportunities and exciting experience. Kept them on a positive road. Fantastic, fantastic. And where did you grow up? Uh, you know, you mentioned you know growing up. Where, where did you actually grow up? So I, I am actually a native, born and raised uh, here in Las Vegas. So wow, born and raised. Guess what? I'm a native too. Are you? Good? <laughs> yeah, born and raised uh, here in Vegas. Uh, went to Georgie Harris Elementary School. <laughs> you know, on the historic west side of Northtown and all that. And you know, Valley High School graduate. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I think you, where did you graduate from? Vegas High, 1989. Vegas, 1989. I'm Valley 92. So nice. remember, remember playing basketball. I was a basketball player, so I played basketball in Vegas, the old Vegas, you know, yeah. not that new school they have on the east side, but downtown <laughs> Vegas in that hot gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's changed. I think they're still working on that infrastructure. Oh man, but yeah, it was it was good good growing up in Vegas. So man, phenomenal. I didn't really realize that you were a native. So you have a great experiences with with our education system. You went through it, and then now you're you've been operating in it 
for a long time. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, I know we, we talked about elementary school. I mentioned in the, in the beginning that you're an elementary school teacher. And then, so tell us a little bit about your transition from elementary to then doing, uh, being an administrator, principal. How did you, you know, navigate that as an educator over the past 25 years? Yeah, I, I, I was always inspired. My favorite age group, and that's why I kind of went into teaching. I love fifth graders. I feel like fifth graders, I was being super specific. I felt like a guy coming into education in the early 90s, I felt like we had a little bit of, we could we could kind of belly up to the table and had a little bit of choice. I feel like we were a rare commodity back then, not as much so now, but and in elementary, I love fifth grade. Fifth graders just seemed to have, they were with it. They had a good sense of humor. They were adventurous. They wanted to take on challenges. They were athletic. So you could do a lot with it. So it just sort of started as like a passion for like, oh, I like that age group. Okay. And then it morphed into, I did teach a little bit of fourth, a little bit of fifth. And then as an administrator, I started thinking about, oh, the change, you, go, you know, I mean, we all have a lot of responsibility. I think any teacher who steps into that classroom of, you know, the autonomy and the, the um, ability to change lives is huge. It, it sort of crafts a little bit differently as an administrator, but that's, I always just wanted to be an elementary principal. But then when I went into administration and um, I came up through education service division, there was just a huge need. And I think my personality probably morphed into probably being just as good or better for uh, older students, uh, okay. high school probably, I was kind of pushed a lot into that direction. Then I got there, I really liked it. You know, you know, teaching wise, I was probably in my wheelhouse, fifth grade, I liked that that curriculum, but from an administrative perspective and connecting with students, uh, high school, middle school was, high school is even probably the best fit for me. Really, high school, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, I know when we met, I, I met you and I was running, I was part of the UNLV Garrett program and uh, you were doing, a, you were at West Prep Academy. Now that's yeah. a, that's a, that's a different monster, so to speak, in Vegas from what we, what we grew up or what we knew um, school was. So, you know, why was that so different? In my mind, it was different. Maybe it was, wasn't for you, but why, why would you think, or why would you, what would you say that it, was different from a West Prep model um, from some of the other school models that we've had here in Las Vegas. Yeah, I know there's so much, I don't want to eat up too much time. There's so much that goes into answer that question for me. I mean, being a, a Vegas local, coming back, I mean, I was, you know, grew up on the east side, uh, Nelson Sahara area, went to Lord Deering, Sarah Winger, you know, coming back and trying to learn a community, you know, those communities might as well have been a million miles apart right. for even come back to Vegas. So for me, it was a whole new learning curve. I like the challenge of, you know, to me, it was like, you're trying to create Camelot, something amazing in a neighborhood that has struggled, that has had at-risk behaviors and has had uh, sometimes insurmountable odds. Against them. So to me, I thought, oh, as a local, you know, I can maybe come in here and create something and attract people to this um, to kind of build on what had been done before me. So for me, it was like a great honor. To me, I thought uh, for as far as challenges and what I want to do in my career, like West Prep was like, wow, that challenge was like that mountain was high. Um, and I loved I loved taking it on and having the opportunity. And it just lent a lot to my strengths. I'd say, you know, elementary, I had the background, so I, I was comfortable in that. Um, high school, I knew those requirements. Middle school was probably the biggest struggle for me. It, it was just, um, I had my least amount of experience. And I think that's where some of 
that took a little bit of growth to get comfortable in my skin there, but okay. I, I loved the challenge. It was, it was amazing. You always feel like you can do it bigger, better, and faster, and everybody there, you feel like you need yeah. to have it every day. So it was, it was a really fast piece for me, like super fast. I get you. I understand that. And But you did a phenomenal job. Uh, West Prep was uh, and it's some something that was new and growing up in that neighborhood in, in, in historic West Las Vegas. I, you know, I appreciated what you brought to the table, what you brought to to a to a neighborhood, to a community. And, um, you know, I, you know, every time I walked on the campus, you were there, you were supportive, you were involved with your students and with the teachers, with the staff. You were all over the place. You were everywhere. And I really appreciate it because you were present. I think that was one of the great things I, I, I can remember as we worked through those programs over there. You were present, you were involved. And I think as an inspirational leader, as someone that uh, people can follow, I think that model by being present is something that's incredible and is still needed even in this environment that we're in right now, I would say. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think... Yeah, there's some challenges. You know, there's nuances. You know, I'm, in my current experience, I'm in Summerlin. I'm at, at Goolsby Elementary. It's the highest rated five star in the district. So it it's the learning curve is so different. Like, it's just such a different experience. But I would agree with you, you know, the nuances of what certain communities need is very, it can be very different. And so, you know, having to learn a whole new system I would agree with you, but the one common thing is that that you're never going to not have struggles. You're going to have some different challenges at different schools that are going to be needed. But, you know, and what we're dealing with now, you know, I'll talk twofold. I think I don't want to I don't want to conflate the two. But, you know, we're dealing with this virus, which has obviously changed the way teachers do business. You know, I look at West Prep. They already deployed. Oh, shoot. Last I checked, 1500 Chromebooks. So it's a different game. You're really having. Just the hands-on, that kind of work is so, it, it's, it, it encumbers so much and it takes a lot, a toll on that team. So, I mean, here we've probably given out at Goolsby's 50 Chromebooks. So, I mean, that's a different workload already. So already you're diving deeper into the work and the instruction, whereas it, and I think a lot of those things, I always felt really well supported at West Prep, but I felt like people understood the amount of work that happened before you ever got to something creative. Um, so my hats off to anybody, everybody. And I think uh, Monica um, Lang is over there now. Okay. And she's she's in that work and she's deep in it. So my heart goes to her and the support because I just know the workload that goes there. Um, but the challenges are, are different here. The magnifying glass is on like these really microcosms of growth. Like people are looking, they know like, oh, right now, like your science scores, you might have the super highest math or English scores, but Hey, what are you going to do to address science? Like science dip. So people see these little, you know, these little pockets of things and you're going, that's the team you're getting together and trying to figure out and solve a problem. West Prep, I think, was really good about helping me see not problems, but solutions. Just like everything has something you, at first, as a young administrator, like those stressors are like, oh, what do I do about this? The more you get confident with taking on problems and fixing things for students, you just get better at it and you get more, it, it seems to be a happier place than when you first start, you know? And so, uh, you know, but you know, I like the time that I spent there because I just feel like schools like West Prep, those communities, they get someone comes in, dips in, does a year or two, then they're out and they took all they learned with them to somebody else. 
I felt like I was able to sit in that position long enough to take what I've learned and push it back into the students and the community. So, you know, time, time was, you know, it's not always on our side, but there I felt like I had enough time to do some great things. Well, that's really important and really good for someone else to hear that, that, you know, there are going to be some times where you're going to grow. There are going to be some times that you need to just continue to do the work. And there yeah. is, you know, you know, it gets easier, it gets better, you know, um, uh, you, but you have to go through something. You have to, you have to do it. And if you continue to do it and not give up, and that's one thing I definitely want everyone that's watching, um, every educator that's, that's chiming in. And if you guys have any questions, go ahead and ask a question. We can, you know, answer that question right here on, on, on this particular stream, um, or just say hello to us, wave to us and say that you're out there. We'll appreciate you. But, uh, I think that I want everyone to understand that you don't just don't give up. You know, if you're doing this kind of work, it's important. It's necessary. Our, our kids, our teachers, we all, they all need, our communities need you and your work is important. Just don't give up. It's going to, it might be hard, but you know, I would just encourage you don't give up and it gets better as you go through it, you know, and then you also have supports like Danny is a great support, great mentor, someone that you can reach out to. I would, I would definitely imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I, I think for you, for you and me, I mean, we've seen that tra the trajectory of this district, we don't like where we're at statistically in the nation. Um, right. And, you know, we're not in the business of making excuses. I mean, obviously there's, there are things that work for us and against us. Uh, like I said, it, I, I did feel like, I feel like Vegas is super supportive. I've never felt not supported as an educator. Um, sometimes my biggest, my biggest thing was to be prepared when somebody had an offer or wanted to bring assistance to the school, I had to tailor a message that would optimize their energy and put them into the school in a way that didn't waste their time that would maximize because there are resources and they're pouring in. And so our job was to make sure that we were like, just use them effectively. It was a good return on investment. Sometimes we nailed it and you were a big part of that, helping us in so many ways with the work we did with Gear Up. We were able to do great things and it prepared that school to be successful. I mean, as silly as it sounds, but like upgrading the Wi-Fi, if you don't have an upgraded yeah, Wi-Fi yeah. with the with the economy that we're walking into right now, you're done. You might be you might be setting kids back quite a ways now. I mean, think about it now. People were at first like Wi-Fi will upgrade. Well, if we had not upgraded that Wi-Fi, we wouldn't even be in a, in a it, we would not be in the position we're in today in those schools. So just like that kind of support, being ready for when somebody has an offer to help you, I think you have just intelligently designing a response that puts, makes people feel good about what they're contributing to the school. I and mean, that's our goal, you know, for, you know I think just of, a, of us growing up here is be ready because there are people ready to help, but we just have to be ready to accept and know how to channel that energy. I agree 100%. And I remember that, uh, <laughs> that, that Wi-Fi upgrade, man, it was, it was interesting because it was challenging. Like you're saying, you, people are like, well, why do we need to upgrade this Wi-Fi? Why do we need to do that? I don't think we need to do that. I don't think it, it's going to cost us too much to do that, but it was something necessary. And like you said, given the environment that we are in right now, wow, that was that set us up so that today the school could be could be beneficial. Because what would have happened if we didn't do anything right now? Where would those kids be? Where would that school be if they didn't have that Wi-Fi upgrade when we were able to to, to accomplish that? 
Yeah, and I think most a lot of our students weren't they didn't have access to Wi-Fi all day. So if they had a smart a lot of students, they might have access to a smartphone or a computer or a Chromebook. Now these fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred that they just put out in the community, they can still be near the school. They can link in. They can that the way that we set that up, every teacher, every student, every we're a one to one school. Everybody could be on, and everybody every student could have been on with a personal device. If teacher were allowing if the teacher was allowing it. And we weren't going to overstress the system. So, in communities like that where that need is so high, I just think that the return on investment is going to prove itself big time. Because right now, if you were on a district adopted like upgrade, you mm -hmm. now I can guarantee you for the price point that we were having to fix that school, you're probably not going to be on that list again for another few years. Now you're really behind. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, you are, you, you're a phenomenal leader in that. And you made sure that your school received that. Like you said, you were open to the conversation. You were open to receiving those resources. And, uh, you know, you were easy to, to, to talk with and to approach. And I think that's one thing I want to make sure that everyone understands as we go into this and continue with this education environment here in Las Vegas or wherever you are in the country or in the world, you know, you need to be able to have a relationship building, you know, conversations with like-minded people like Danny and uh, be able to be ready for that, you know, in those conversations and because of who you are as a person man, I, I appreciate you for for allowing us and i'll speak for myself personally i know you know big europe is doing some things still but for me you are able to embrace me as a person and just say hey come here let's talk about it let's figure out what we want to do and how we want to move forward in life in, in this particular industry industry or or instance, it was dealing with, you know, technology and, and programs because it wasn't just technology. We had after school programs, tutoring, all these different things. Um, but you were, you know, approachable. I can come and talk with you even like I'm talking to you right now. And I think that was inspirational to me. That was encouraging and helped me in my career as I move forward through UNLV. And now I'm into this space. You really helped me with that. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I was listening to a podcast today. This is going to be an overstretch. We'll push it a little bit. But Kennedy had a, a quote in his time, President Kennedy, and it was like, basically, if we don't if we don't let a peaceful evolution evolve, then you'll get a violent revolution. So I think mm -hmm. that's what we see is like if the more we can. In, in my personal experience, the more people that touch the work that work together, then we don't get in some of the situations we're in now. So I'll kind of leave the virus part and talk about like the social sure. aspect of this is. You know, in my day to day, I feel like I've been really blessed to work around. And, and you know, growing up in Vegas, I've never been in a neighborhood where you can scratch two skin colors together. It's, so I've always been around diversity. I'm sure you have. And even working at West Prep, most of the parents in that community, I went to high school with at Vegas High. That's just how we were mixed in and bust together at Vegas High. So Vegas has always been a melting pot. So, you know, it it's like this work doesn't get done if a lot of us aren't connecting and figuring out how to fix problems. That's what I love about, you know, there's always something really cool and sexy sounding about moving somewhere, going somewhere new, somewhere exotic. But but one thing I've liked about staying in Vegas is you watch something evolve over time and you get to see you get to see things grow and you sit in your own, you sit in your seat and you watch it and you do the, the hard work and you you watch how a town rallies around, you know, its its citizens and you know our sure. students. So it's to me, I, I've, I've liked living here 
in and staying here and and going into education as long as I have it has it's helped me I, I've grown immensely I mean I was a guy was I worked in education service division so you know we were part of that old model which was behavior school a lot of parents like their kids if yeah. their kid got in trouble hey you're gonna go to a behavior school some parents mm-hmm. loved it they're like okay my, my students my child's wearing a uniform they're they're we know they're safe uh, they like the the consistency but that model's changed. I mean, that's a dinosaur of a model now. Now everybody is like, we're what we weren't great at like having systems like uh, to evolve a student and and help them grow within that. We just kind of would just push them aside for a little while and then get them back. We thought we were doing the right thing because so many parents wanted to con- continue because it was making their life better and it was you know creating consistency in the student's life. But we weren't doing anything to grow, change, or develop. We didn't have really really great systems into, and I think we're getting as a town, I just watch as we evolve and watch some of the work, mm-hmm. it's it's much more evolved. Like we're, everyone has, you know, in your school, with that multi-tiered systems of support, you're starting to see people gather around the idea. And I never thought that those ideas were divided along racial lines. Sometimes I feel like it was divided along um, generations. Some people have an idea about how students are to be looked at, addressed, disciplined, how do you grow a student? I think the mm-hmm. disparity was really in generations and not so much uh, along racial lines. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing today, I try to stay off social media a little bit because it's so, the the disparity between what people say and feel really is in, in my experience in Vegas. I don't know if Vegas, if we're just a different species, but that is not my experience is having this uh, discord among races a degree that seems to be on social media. I feel like it's this town has got a much more evolved approach about how do we help each other, how do we move this thing, take responsibility for it. You know, I don't know. That's that's my feeling is that we've got so much the the bones of the structure of how we're doing things here is is really good. And I think you know if you lived here for a while, like my my father in law looks at me sometimes he's like, how come you guys haven't fixed that district yet? And how come you're not higher up? <laughs> you know, and I know he's being just stubborn with me, but. And I, and I get that from a from someone who's lived here locally. You're like, why are we not there yet? And you don't want to hide behind excuses like, oh, you know, did you know the transiency rate? Do you know that? I mean, at some point you have to sit down and own. It. And that's what I mean by living here is see the problems. You can't hide behind them. You have to get out in front of them and address them day by day. And this this works not for the lighthearted. You got to you got to kind of be in the work and not. And I think that the fact that guys like you and me sticking around and being a familiar face, I think it helps students. Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. And uh, since we're on that topic, I want to. Um, I just want to ask you, what are a few strategies or a few things that we can do as a district, uh, we can do, or even individual schools, principals, what are some things that we can do to, you know, push that needle forward? Yes, our, our here in Vegas, Clark County, we are, you know, considered one of the poorest, you know, as far as, you know, graduation rates and all these different things, these education, um, you know, pointers. Um, what could we do? What should we do? And how do we do them in this environment, in this COVID-19 environment, in this social distress, this, this distrust this environment? How do we do that now? What are some strategies that you think might work for us in the next months or so as we transition out of well we are still in social distancing so as we change you know how we approach education what what are some strategies that you think we we can benefit from 
Well, you know, I was a little pessimistic about it at first just because, like, I, I feel like I'm an old dog that needs to learn a new trick, <laughs> you know. So, you know, what I've noticed, though, just even the transition from March till now, now I'm, I'm uh, an administrator over ESY. Uh, edu- um, so this particular ESY, you know, we're servicing our special education students, some of our most at risk. And I literally am watching teachers go three hours deep straight with a, a student that's coded for autism mm. and really short attention span. And I'm going, how is this possible? Like, this is the ultimate test of distance learning. And I'm seeing how absolutely caring and nuanced this instruction is going. And I'm watching very, very amazing instruction going on and being able to just, and that's a team effort. That's just not a teacher sitting by a computer. That's like the parents involved. There's a one-to-one aid, there's teachers. So there's a lot of energy and effort going into this. And I think it can be done. There's a lot of platforms that we were having to, you know, we're at the bone up and teach, uh, instruct teachers on the best. And we're just sharing those strategies for how to use engaging learning opportunities within in it. I mean, after a while, it's, it's only going to have so much flavor. After a while, at some point, we got to be in front of students. So right. I, I think, and not if I was playing king for the day. I mean, we really have to have a nuanced approach about how different schools engage students. I think we should give a little bit more autonomy because some some okay. student in communities are going to need more one-to-one and they're going to need, and, and maybe they're going to have to have a different approach to it that just looks at the, a little one size fits all seems a little bit, you know, and, and again, those are tough decisions. I don't, I'm not commenting on our superintendent or that. I just think, if if different communities could look at it a little bit differently and start to craft a little slightly different plan that would meet the needs of those communities because everyone's different the minute you think you understand what a community needs and you and i know from being good listeners or trying to be you're going to find a an angle and a blind spot that you hadn't even thought of and so you know i feel for our current superintendent because i i can't imagine the amount of voices that are in his head and it's very hard to probably clear a path for what's best for this amount of students but if we could break off some more autonomy to each schools as if we as was anticipated in the law you know minus the like not overfilling the health care system because we're being careless i mean i'm talking about that i'm just talking about the way we structure the day if that could be a little bit more freely structured I think we do have great opportunities for for distance learning. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I think too our students just knowing how much they need, you know who gets marginalized the quickest obviously is those that are those that might not have the financial means to stay on top of things, or might not have a, a nuclear family that's going to structure itself well to help the students. So those challenges never go away, as you and I know. So I think just teachers that care being in the work every day logging in you're going to have to be a pest for a while like for our our students to come around to this you're going to have to have like some tenacity and stay in a student space for a while but i'm if i can see this at the level that we're seeing are some of our most at risk um students with autism taking three hours of instruction i mean there's breaks in there uh it, it gives me hope that whatever level of distance learning we have to do, we can get to a place where we're doing it at a pretty phenomenal level. That's great. That's great, great words. Thank you for, for sharing that information. Uh, and again, man, thank you so much for being here. One thing I want to, you know, as we continue or start to wrap it up, uh, you mentioned, I, I watched a, um, a clip and you were doing, a, um, 
I, I don't know if it was a speech or you were just doing doing a talk, and uh, you mentioned this quote. You said that uh, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it. So tell me a little bit about the this particular quote because you brought it up. And uh, why? What would you think? Um, you how could we apply that to education in general here in in Las Vegas in our in our County, we have so many so many things that we have to deal with. Um, but tell me what you would say if someone you know brought this quote to you: "If you aim at nothing, you will hit it." How does that you know translate to us here in in Las Vegas or in education? Period. Well, you know, I think that that for me, from a leadership perspective, and what and what I do is super important, right? We always talk about like leading with the why. Why do we do this? I I try to be really almost redundant about. Because we all we all are experiencing so much from the outside that if you don't remind people constantly about the work you're currently involved in and why you got to this place and why you're doing it and why it's from a leadership perspective, collaborating with your team, like why you have decided this is the most high leverage goal that you need to, to engage your team in. Because there's a lot of time, money and energy that goes into education. It's overwhelming. I take like that responsibility of how much money, community money, how much time, energy, your staff, is getting poured into making the fixes, making the changes. You, you feel like an ultimate responsibility. So to say like, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it. If, if you don't really have a clear cut plan and you have not articulated it and people aren't aware of it, you're gonna get scattered results. And I've been the recipient of both when I haven't led with like great direction. And then when I've had just absolute laser focus, what, what you can produce. Because most people don't wanna get up every day and feel loose about what they're doing. They want a sense of direction i do um and we do we quickly we quickly get inundated with so many goals that we can't we can't even fathom it you start to like give up you go okay how many things we're going to throw at this so i think really chiseling down your goals to two or three goals that are going to have the highest impact to students and clear everything out that you know that's where we got to be bold with each other is just saying hey look where you're trying to take me right now isn't really even our our not our combined goal it's not even right, what we started. Right. So I think you got to call each other out on it too. And that's where, you know, getting everything else, if it gets loose, then you really are. You just, you know, you're going to give each other a bunch of pat on the backs. And we all know we're working hard. We care about kids. Mm -hmm. It's what are you going to do to like channel that energy and get the greatest, greatest impact. And so when it's done and it's done masterfully, it's the best. I get who wouldn't want to be involved with that. None of us would ever want to retire. We just keep working, you know, sure. but, <laughs> that, that's that was that's what makes us li live with passion and, and kind of keeping with your theme like to me living inspired is hey i really channeled an energy that we all believe in and, th and that it becomes undeniable it's like a truth you go if we all look at this data together and we're all, none of us are really gonna veer from it because we all see it in real time and it's and it becomes universal it's like a truth you just go okay i know i know what our focus is now and i don't have to I don't have to guess anymore and I can get behind this man, this woman, this person doesn't, it just kind of weeds out all the, the junk. And that's a good thing about education is the great truth teller because it, it'll tell you exactly what you have to do. It, do, it, do, it doesn't play favorites. Absolutely. Phenomenal, yeah. man. And I appreciate that. And you are an inspiration to me again. And I thank you so much for right. being here and, uh, 
shoot, man, you, you dropped a lot of nuggets for us in the education world to, to take and to ponder on and to do something with it. Not just listen to it. This is all great to listen to, but then it's time to do something with it. And you're, you're a great person to, to, to get behind. So definitely want to make sure that we get behind you and I truly appreciate you. And, you know, that's really what I would want to talk about, man. I just, you know, inspiration through education and, uh, Leading by example, that's what you've been doing so long. For 25 years, you're doing it. You still have the passion. You still have the love for it. You still want to help students be successful. And a lot of that is through helping teachers be better teachers and creating an environment uh, and even facilities, right? You like to build out and, and do things in the facilities and with technology, right? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Danny. Hey, Everyone, Danny Eichelberger, he is a phenomenal, inspirational educator, veteran, and uh, we truly appreciate you being on the show and uh, hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll come back sometime so we can talk it up a little bit more. And uh, it, I just, you know, I have education's key on my shirt for a reason. I truly believe that. And uh, I'd love to have even more conversation with you. Hey, thanks. Uh, friends for life, man. Ed, we, we can stay in this game for a long time. I appreciate you. Locals. I like it. <laughs> That's right. We are locals, born and raised and still here, right? Still, right. Still, still working for our communities. So again, Danny, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you guys for joining us here on Live Inspired today. And uh, check in with us again on our YouTube channel. On, if you want to just listen to our podcast, we're on Anchor, Spotify, SoundCloud, all those things. And uh, we also have a book club coming up this coming Wednesday. We'll be uh, previewing, um, I believe it's called Think About It. Think, think About It. That's right. Something to think about. Excuse me. Sorry, Johnny. Johnny Williams is the author of that one. Something to think about. We'll do a book review of that coming up Wednesday. But until then, everyone, we always ask you to be encouraged, stay positive, and live inspired because you can be an inspiration to someone else and bring them up. And and uh, just want to say God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Danny, thank you. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Kirk. Talk to you soon. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks a lot, Danny. Take Thanks. care. See you later.